Hello and welcome to Football Never Sleeps, the pre-Blue Gold Game edition. It's our off-season YouTube show that emphasizes Notre Dame football. In fact, it's all about Notre Dame football. We don't even pretend to do anything else <laughs> during it. Um, and we've got a big show for you tonight. Lots of stuff has happened in the last week as we're closing in on the end of spring practice. Uh, I want to remind you to subscribe to our channel and to hit the notification bell so you know when we have a new show because we're not always on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. We move around to kind of fit with the news. And we also have a lot of other content going on. We've got a new recruiting writer, and he's also our new video guy, so we've got a lot more uh, videos from practice and from interviews, uh, and that's Charleston Bowles. But, again, two good reasons to uh, hit the subscription button and the notification bell. Um, we'll get going here with our discussion in a minute, but I want to remind you to um, you can jump in with your questions and um, Tyler will <laughs> give you the tutorial real quickly here since I don't know how to do it myself. But I know how to answer them. So off we go, Tyler. Yeah, if you are on a desktop version of some sort, the, the comment box should be to the right of our talking heads. Um, if you're on a mobile device, an app, there should be a chat box comment section below our talking voices. So um, hopefully you can figure that out. Um, I have confidence that Eric could figure it out if he was <laughs> forced forced to do so. But fortunately, um, he, he gets direct access to me. He doesn't have to... Uh, submit questions through a queue to, to get my answers. So, um, Eric, what do you want to uh, begin? Where, where do you want to begin with our discussion of what's what we'll be seeing this week, uh, this weekend on Saturday in the Blue Gold game? Well, I think we're going to talk about Blue Gold expectations, and let's start with the game format. Now, they haven't – Notre Dame hasn't officially rolled this out, but we've been able to paste together the clues – we're expecting a conventional scoring game. And you know that many times in the past, there's been that kind of advanced Stableford golf system for football where you get points for first downs and so forth. We think it's going to be conventional scoring. We know that there's a player draft tomorrow morning at uh, at 9.15. Uh, Notre Dame is going to kind of tweet out the picks on their Twitter site. I think it's also going to be on their YouTube channel and their Facebook. Um, and it was, we were actually, the media was invited last year. We were not invited this year to the draft, um, but it was pretty fun. And so they'll split up the teams. It won't be offense versus defense. Um, typically there's a running clock in the second half. Uh, there's usually some restrictions on special teams like no returns. And if you want to watch it and you don't want to drive to South Bend, you can um, pay the pay Peacock to watch, watch it streaming live. You can also watch it on Fighting Irish TV after the game on replays. And then I'll be doing radio. If you want to listen to the radio, Darren Pritchin and I are going to be doing a pregame show at 1.30. Uh, we're going to be doing, I'll be doing the color commentary for the game at 2. And then here's where you can find that. You can go to Sirius XM channel 380. Or you can go to the Sirius Internet channel, which is 970. If you listen to the, um, you know, you're listening on your phone or listening on your home computer. Um, locally at Sports Radio 960. There, you can also stream it through the WSBTradio.com site, WSBTradio.com, and then they have a free WSBT radio app. So there's a whole bunch of different ways to listen to it. Um, so that's where I'll start. Uh, Tyler, do you want to chime in with anything about the Blue Gold game format? I'm going to set it – I'm actually going to uh... – Give, give you a prop bet. What will there be more of? More ways to listen to you on the radio or touchdown scored in the blue gold game? <laughs> <laughs> I would say, let's see, there's one. I'd say more touchdowns. I, more I touchdowns. think. Even yeah, though last I, year was 13 to 10. 
You know, I forgot about that, uh, but I think <laughs> you're lucky if you forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think there will be more ways. I just think um, we're going to see a vanilla enough defense that we're going to see some fun offensive plays. And there's so many good wide receivers. You know, I mean, there were there were about three healthy wide receivers last year for the Blue Gold game. I mean, and, there, and Drew Pine was playing quarterback for both teams. Exactly. So I think you know we've got. A lot of quarterbacks, a lot of wide receivers, not so many running backs. Uh, so I think we'll see more touchdowns than ways to listen. Um, I, I should remind everybody that this is the legacy weekend. So uh, we had Hunter Biven on our podcast last week, and he's in charge of bringing back the former Notre Dame football players. Last year, they had 300 show up. They're expecting 400 this weekend. Uh, so that should be a a really fun part of the uh, weekend. Also, scads of recruits. I mean, our our uh, visitors list on the Insider Lounge is really getting lengthy. It's almost going to be able to take up a thread of its own just for April 22nd. <laughs> um, and we'll talk about the recruits a little bit later in the show. What we'll move to now is what we hope to learn from the blue-gold game, which one thing to keep in mind is it is difficult to draw conclusions from the game the way it's formatted. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes we can see some things here or there that are promising or maybe some foreshadowing. Sometimes it's a fool's gold, maybe probably fool's gold more often than not. Um, or it could be a harbinger of bad things to come. I think yeah. Phil Dracovic's, uh, story uh, like the final chapter in Phil Dracovic's Notre Dame career is basically his poor performance in the Blue Gold game and just like the la the way his confidence really sank after that and and didn't sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel for himself anymore. So, um, there we'll see what this version of the Blue Gold game spits out at us. I I don't know that there were many huge takeaways. I mean, one of the big takeaways last year was Jadarian Price and like okay, this guy is legit, and then unfortunately. He got injured, and so we didn't get to see that last season. But I think that's something that's still fresh in our minds whenever he does get get back. He intends to be 100% this summer and able to play in the fall. Um, but Jason Thomas flashed in the game, too. And that was sure. the first time we had really convincingly seen that. And he ended up being a pretty good receiver last year. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so, yeah, that's things here or there. I mean, I think – Folks saw Steve Angeli lead like a, a game-winning drive at the end of the game, and then everyone kept thinking about that when they're demanding to see him last season. And I don't know that that was ever something that was even close to on the minds of Tommy Reese last season. So I, I think um, sometimes the lasting image from from a, a player could maybe influence the fan base more than it probably should. Um, but you only get so many opportunities to see them, so I understand how that can happen. I mean that. I think it happens to us just off the limited practice viewings that we get. And I mean, just to talk about like, for instance, Chris Tyree, we saw him have a practice where he didn't, frankly, didn't look very good playing slot receiver. Like, man, is this really going to work? And, but everything we've heard since then is he's looked great and they're <laughs> confident in him. He potentially is starting slot receiver for Notre Dame. They're moving guys around um, because they have confidence in what they have on the, on the, in the wide receiver position. So um, it's just a, uh, it's uh, something you have to sort of be uh, cognizant of, but just enjoy it. It's football. Last chance we get to see some football um, until we get to late July or August for us with with whenever Notre Dame gets its camp started to gear up for Dublin, Ireland. <laughs> well, um, the four things that I put down were how much better the wide receivers and corners are, and they'll be going against each other. Uh, you know, there's more of them. I think there's better quality of them. I think this game will will bring that out. I think there will be some good individual plays there. I'm hoping to see better quarterback wide receiver chemistry than we saw in practices number six and nine. Those were the two that we were allowed to view the whole practice. And in those both, again, the defense was really able to scheme up the offense. They were able to blitz all the time. And, and I think we'll see a more vanilla defense. So maybe we'll see the chemistry a little bit better that, that the coaches have been talking about tackling fundamentals. Um, 
you know, even if you're playing a vanilla defense, you should be able to tackle people. And then maybe some individual defensive linemen and linebackers that we want to look at. You know, we're not quite sure if Prince Colley, which is everybody's favorite linebacker that doesn't play enough. Um, we're not wait sure. Wait a minute. What... Wait a minute. We know that Jalen Sneed is your favorite linebacker that doesn't play enough. Jalen Sneed is my favorite linebacker that doesn't <laughs> play enough. But I'm talking about the majority of the people. They, they Everybody probably thinks that's just uh, – my weird eccentricity, uh, but I do think he's going to be a really good linebacker. So some of those guys, Jack Kaiser is a guy that I'm really curious mm -hmm. to see, and we won't see him in everything that we've seen him this spring. He's been in a lot of the packages. We've also seen him play a little bit inside, and he's looked good. Uh, I'm curious if they'll put, put him at Rover for this game or if they'll play him inside a little bit more. He's a guy that's worth watching for me. So, yeah, uh, I, well, I actually saw him after practice today and he wasn't dressed and it looked like maybe he's dealing with a foot or an ankle ankle injury. So I don't have any okay. clarity on what that okay. is, the severity of it. Um, he didn't have like a, a cast on or anything like that, or a boot on his, on his foot. Um, but I did notice that he was not in pads. Um, so I told our, the inside of the islands that this morning. Um, so that's a benefit of being I should a have been on to... the insider. I should have been in the insider mm -hmm. lounge to follow that and so i was just testing you and i'm glad that you brought it up um <laughs> for, for, for go ahead you you can jump in there and then uh at the end i'm gonna tell my favorite horror story from the blue gold game okay um you hit a lot of the the things that i hope to learn from the blue gold game i i want to see the wide receivers make plays i mean we've heard that this is something that is happening in practices when we quite frankly haven't seen a lot of it in the windows of practice that we were able to see. Um, so to get a chance to see them making those connections with the quarterbacks, um, I think that's just something that we should be able to learn. Will the defense stop blitzing? <laughs> like, I think uh, I imagine that will be the case and it'll create some more opportunities for the offense to have some success. Um, and then sort of to go along with that, can the defensive line generate pass rush on its own? because of the the windows that we saw had so much blitzing in it, we didn't really get a chance to see. It's like, okay, how, how well is the defensive line doing in terms of generating pass rush when it's just rushing four? Um, so I think those are, th those are things that I hope we get a chance to learn a little bit more about on Saturday with the caveat of obviously sometimes it could be a bit of a mirage. Okay, what are some things we probably won't learn that people will want you know, kind of go there hoping that, that they're going to learn? Um, I would say how good are Notre Dame safeties because there aren't going to be enough of them <laughs> to, to, to field uh, two healthy rosters full of scholarship players. Um, there's basically three um, that, that are healthy right now that are playing. And so one, one guy's going to be work, working with a walk-on. Um, and I don't know how much the other two will be working with each other the whole time i'm not sure what they'll do maybe, maybe i think they should go early in the draft since there's so few of them <laughs> yeah I mean, maybe maybe they'll rotate maybe all the, maybe the safeties will be on on both teams maybe that's the best way to to go about it with such a, a a light depth chart there but um due to injuries uh so i think that's something that we certainly won't learn a lot about just because of the numbers i don't know that we're going to get clear answers on who the starting guards will be um, I know that's one of the biggest questions about Notre Dame's offense going into next season um, because those are, those are two very important uh, position battles happening. But I don't It'll know. It'll be that. interesting to see where they get drafted, though, the guards. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think that uh, tells you a little bit about the um, reputation that those guys have built um, throughout the spring. Um, how different will Notre Dame's offense be this season? I don't know that yeah. Jared Parker is going to spoil anything that he has up his sleeve in the blue gold game. Um, I think some downfield passes certainly make sense, but that doesn't necessarily, you don't have to do a lot of trickeration to make a, just tell guys to go deep and have someone actually throw it there. Um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know that uh, um, there'll be anything too crazy in, on that front. And then also on the flip side, what, what wrinkles Al Golden has, in store for the defense this year and also sort of what wrinkles is he getting rid of because he's made it pretty clear that last year he sort of felt that they were preparing for too many different things and he needed to have a better focus on okay let's just prepare for things that we're actually going to use um and 
what what does that mean? What does that look like? We've seen some blitz packages and some nickel and dime looks from the defense. I would imagine that those will be lasting parts of, of the defensive game plan moving forward, given the state of college football um, and the passing games that Notre Dame will play against. But um, I don't know that we're going to learn a ton more about that um, this coming Saturday. What, what do you, what do you think, Eric? I had a lot of the same things you had. The one thing that I'll add is who the starting quarterback is. Sure. Uh, I don't think Marcus is going to get up there afterwards. Marcus Freeman is going to get up at the podium afterward and say, Oh, our starting quarterback is so-and-so. I, I think that's going to happen in, in early August because he's not going to do it during the summer. If he doesn't do it tomorrow, then we're looking at August, and he may have a pretty good idea once they get to August who it is. Um, I initially was advocating, and I think I did on this show, mm-hmm. that they should name it before, but Tyler Buckner has played well enough that he deserves going into the – to summer to still be playing for that this summer. I think the downside is if he doesn't get it, then he's he's stuck if he wanted to go somewhere else. Right. The um, transfer portal window will close on April 30th. Um, and I still think eventually we're going to end up with uh, Sam Hartman as the quarterback. My, my uh, What we probably won't also see or learn, thank God, is um, – my youngest son at the game. Uh, my my horror story with the blue gold game is, I think it was Bob Davies' first year. So my son would have been, he would have been Blake would have been six at the time, and I was the Notre Dame basketball beat writer at the time, and I kind of got thrown into the coverage at the last minute. And I said, hey, I don't have somebody to watch my son. Can I bring him with me? And they're like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So we sat outside. I thought him being in the press box would be too disruptive. Um, and then afterwards, we went down to talk to Bob Davey, who was the head coach, and uh, some of the players. And we're sitting in the press conference. And uh, <laughs> Bob Davey comes up and sees my son. And he says, hi, my name is Bob Davey. I'm the head coach of Notre Dame. And he goes, hi, uh, my name's Blake Hanson, and this is my dad. And uh, um, he goes, well, I, I know your dad. And then my son looks at me and he goes, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't make a great impression. So I have not brought him to a blue gold game since. <laughs> he, he wanted a more uh, rousing introduction from, from Bob Davey, clearly. Uh, so. he, I think he was bored for the whole day and it just spilled over <laughs> at that moment because they did have the Stableford system and he was just learning to play football and uh-huh. so he didn't understand why they were getting points for first downs and why they were getting points for yeah you know tackles for losses he was completely confused by that and I was trying to explain to him it was supposed to make the game more fun for the people sitting out in the stands and he didn't see it that way yeah and I, and frankly I hate it I don't like the stableford system. I understand why they do it. A lot of times they're short on personnel groups. I love it being an actual game, even if it's mitigated by some rules and, you know, Drew Pine having to play both sides last year. I just think it's more fun when it's a regular game. Yeah, and I really do like the addition of the blue-gold draft. Um, I think it's just an interesting wrinkle, makes it a little bit more, maybe a little bit more competitive because you're sort of, Right, maybe maybe some feelings are hurt. Maybe some guys are are talking a little bit more smack because there's like a more of a, like a team pride thing that's going on here um, between the blue and gold teams. So I think it's an interesting angle to it. Um, I'm interested to see what those rosters look like when the drafts come out. I, I think I don't know that Notre Dame had said anything, but in the recent promo video that they released um, on Twitter, and I'm sure it's other places, but I saw it on Twitter. Uh, it looks like Dylan McCullough and uh, Al Washington will be the head coaches of the respective teams again. Um, so uh, I think it was well, Kyle. Dylan McCullough they... being a coach is ups the trash talk ante. <laughs> uh, uh, Kyle Hamilton and, and Cole Komet were featured in, in the uh, in the Notre Dame video, and uh, I think Cole Komet was saying he's Team Blue, and Kyle Hamilton was pulling for Team Gold. So we'll see um, how uh, 
how those rosters end up shaping up uh, Thursday morning. All right, let's get right. to uh, let's get to a question we have here from Frank Sarah, and then um, also remind folks that if they'd like to submit questions, please do so. Um, we will fit them in throughout the show as we as we have time. Um, and this first one we have is from Frank Sarah. As I said, should ND take two safeties in the portal? When do you think we will see movement towards ND? Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Um, especially if if they're they get to the end of the week and they think this Lorenzo Styles thing at corner is going to be permanent, then I think you could think about moving one of the corners to safety and then taking somebody in the portal. I, I definitely think you need a portal caliber player because I think you need somebody in that first uh, to make that a four-man rotation. And I think if Ben Minnick and and even Adon Schuler can give you some quality downs here or there, I think that's a bonus. And you're certainly trying to develop those guys for the future. The, th- the thing about like moving Clarence Lewis there though is he's near the end of his college career and and you're almost looking for a younger uh player to move to safety so that you can develop them over over time because right. the safety room could be pretty empty after the season <clears throat> just depending on what uh Xavier Watts and Ramon H- Henderson want to do with their eligibility and I realize people are saying what about Thomas Harper I don't think they're counting on him playing a lot of conventional safety. I think he's more of a nickel. Uh, I think he could certainly fill in at that position and do well. But I think two bodies make sense. But I think they could probably get away with just one in the portal if, again, if Styles is a, a corner. It's too bad Styles is in a safety. That would be perfect because he's got some eligibility left. Um, now that they got the wrong styles for that, Sonny. Sonny's the yeah. safety, <laughs> right? His his younger brother, who's like twice as big as him. I think isn't he close to six five? Um, I'm not certain to be honest. He, he's pretty tall. He's he's, he's big. I didn't know he's big. Yeah, he's, he's bigger than Lorenzo for sure. Um, he's busy, bigger than both Lorenzos, the dad and the son. <laughs> yeah, maybe combined. No, <laughs> um, yeah, I think. I don't know that they would take two safeties. Um, certainly one seems to make sense. Um, but again, I mean, I don't think you want to take one just to take one. Um, you got to have, you got to bring in one that you feel like can find a role challenge that top three, those top three guys to, for playing time. Um, and it would be nice if you can bring a guy with multiple years of eligibility, but I don't know. Sometimes I think, that's always the goal in the portal. And we haven't really seen that work out <laughs> with a, a high frequency. Um, so you can't right. certainly anticipate or count on that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the Lorenzo styles point is, is a good one because that definitely changes how many cornerbacks you feel like you need. If Lorenzo is someone that you think can contribute, um, which, I mean, I think there's a chance that could happen. I mean, he was a pretty good high school cornerback. Mike Mickens has been someone who has developed cornerbacks quickly um, as freshmen, like in college. So you think like, shouldn't there be some sort of um, correlation between trans transitioning a wide receiver to cornerback from transitioning someone like Benjamin Morrison to a June enrolled uh, freshman to becoming a freshman all American. So uh, I'm curious to see what, what that looks like. It seems seems more like self-motivated than um, based on like Notre Dame's need. Um, and he seems to be very interested in doing this and giving it a shot. Um, and uh, I like his attitude about it. So, um, but yeah, then you look at, so was it Clarence Lewis that's better at safety? Is it Ryan Barnes? Ryan Barnes is the one that at least Notre Dame has acknowledged to us that has done some cross training at safety. Um Right. I talked to Clarence Lewis. He said he has not done any, but he's been the nickel almost the whole uh, spring. Right. And then I guess what it comes down to then is a, so if, you, if you're in a position where you need Thomas Harper to play safety, are you, do you feel more comfortable with playing Thomas Harper at safety and playing, playing Clarence Lewis at nickel? Or do you feel more comfortable playing Clarence Lewis at safety and playing Thomas Harper at nickel? I don't, I don't really know 
how you feel about that. If, if you think Thomas Harper's best position is nickel, then maybe you're getting two worse versions of players if, if you play him at safety and and uh, bring in another nickel back that isn't as good as him. So um, it's going to be an interesting thing. I, I mean, for Notre Dame's sake, they probably hope they don't have to worry about it and just everyone stays healthy, which hasn't been the case. Right. Um, and they can just sort of get through the season with the guys that they have and not have to worry about moving guys around. But um, I think uh, that's, that's hard to count on, especially in college football. Okay, so um, we're going to go next to the wide receiver shuffle because that's kind of the most recent thing on our minds. We talked to Chancey Stuckey and some of the wide receivers today. We were supposed to talk to Deion Colsey as well. He had an illness, so he was in at practice, so he got to miss his media opportunity. Um, but um, lots going on with the wide receivers. I think it's a pretty interesting position group. We just mentioned the Lorenzo, Lorenzo style cornerback experiment. We're going to um, go into maybe a little bit more detail there when we talk about the cornerbacks. We should mention that Caleb Smith, the elder Caleb Smith, the Virginia Tech um, grad transfer who would have been a sixth year player, he medically retired this past weekend. Ironically, the other Caleb Smith was on campus. He's the wide receiver that will join the group, a freshman from Frisco, Texas. He'll join the group in June. Um, and then Tyler talked to Tobias Merriweather among the interview opportunities today. I spent some time with both Chris Tyree and Chancey Stuckey, and I wrote a story um, about the three freshman wide receivers that are here now. They're early enrollees, Rico Flores Jr. and Braylon James and Jaden Greathouse. And one of the reasons why there's no panic in Caleb Smith retiring and why, you know, Chancey Stuckey isn't crying that Lorenzo Styles is thinking about being a cornerback is because of those three. They have been every bit as good at advertise, if not better, Chancey was telling me today. Yeah, you you teed up Chancey to say, "Hey, give me a little bit of information on all three of those guys." And he 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 hit a home run in terms of how he answered it. That was probably the the best answer of of the uh, of the question and answer segment, at least while I was standing there. Um, I, I always find it funny when we all have our own different questions that we want to ask, and then like someone asks. Obviously, only one person can ask a, a single question about a single thing, and then everyone starts tweeting about what you said about the freshman. Is like, well, aren't you guys glad Eric asked that because all your <laughs> questions didn't didn't give us as good of answers as that? Uh, so that was that was really well done by Chancey Stuckey, and obviously he feels very strongly about those those guys as players. And he even said he's like, we know that we hit on these three receivers, and to have that confidence already now maybe that's. A little bit biased, considering he's the one that recruited them. <laughs> but um, I, I although think he gave credit to other people for recruiting sure, them, sure, like, sure, sure, yeah, um, yeah, he wasn't doing it by himself. Um, but yeah, th they feel really confident that they they hit on those guys. It still sounds like Rico Flores Jr. and Jaden Greathouse are probably the most physically ready to contribute this season, whereas Braylon James is more maybe a bit of a long term project, but his ceiling could maybe even be higher than both of those guys. Um, so a really, uh, illuminating answer, um, from Chancey Stuckey there, but yeah, I think the, the sort of rise of those guys and the understanding of what those guys are makes Notre Dame comfortable with letting Lorenzo styles, try, try some cornerback. Um, maybe they don't look to the portal this spring and summer, um, to replace someone like Kayla Smith. I still think it wouldn't be a bad idea, but I think he, uh, again, I think they, they, can afford to be picky rather than like be desperate that we need a wide receiver at this point. So I think that um, will will likely play a role into what Notre Dame decides to do there. Um, unfortunate news for Caleb Smith that he's dealing with some things. He, he asked for some privacy and so he needs to deal with his mental and physical health. Um, that's got, I mean, it's tough when any kid has to medically retire from football. Um, but given his circumstances, he like grad transferred. This is, he was probably really excited about what he thought could become of things for him at Notre Dame. And to see that sort of come to an end a few months into that sort of experiment and, and, and decision um, that, that, that was, that was unfortunate. So we hadn't seen a ton of him making plays 
in the spring. I, that was a bit surprising. We, I think I anticipated to see him more making some plays with the ones having some good chemistry with Sam Hartman. Um, but some of the practices that we saw, he was um, working more in, with the, along with the freshmen than he was working with the guys that have sort of solidified themselves as, as no, number one offense kind of guys. The other thing that's, that's helped with um, feeling good about, again, the little bit of attrition of two of the most experienced receivers it is that the other guys on the team have also surged. You've also had a lot of improvement from Jaden Thomas, particularly Tobias Merriweather. He's been the talk of the spring. Uh, Deion Colsey and then Chris Tyree shifting over. Tyler mentioned early when we saw him, there were some drops and maybe some growing pains. And apparently those have really been reduced uh, that, you know, Chancey Stuckey said today that Chris Tyree was miles ahead of where they expected him to be, which is amazing considering, again, where he was in practice number six that in, in the last seven practices. And they've had a lot of them jammed in a small period of time that he's he's made a lot of progress. Now, Tyler, you had a chance to speak with uh, Tobias Merriweather. What was maybe a couple of takeaways that you'd like to share from that yeah and i have a story that i just haven't been able to file into our system to get it out there to be published so it'll be filed by the time so this will be a teaser this will be a little bit of tease um and my apologies for not getting that out sooner but yeah he um was enlightening particularly with some of the details from his concussion that he suffered last season um he missed three games after the clemson game so that would starting with the Navy game, which he did still travel to the Navy game, but didn't didn't play, but was dealing with concussion symptoms. Um, and he said he was basically on bed rest for a week and a half. Um, so it was a bit scary. I think I th- there was some concerns um, with the symptoms that he was being affected by and it really sort of put him on his butt quite li- quite literally. Um, so good thing that he's able to recover. He feels fine now, um, but obviously sort of informs why Notre Dame was so careful with him at the end of last season, which it was just sort of unfortunate timing for him. He had that breakout catch against Stanford. He finally felt like he started to sort of get his role in the offense, understand what was being asked of him. Um, and then that momentum was sort of lost by the concussion, which actually happened in a practice. So, um, but he's really sort of, he, he said that like being silent, it sort of made him hungrier for the season. Like he, he came into the spring ready to prove that he deserved to be a starter and he he can be that and he, he can make plays. Um, and he's not just a guy that can go run a post and, and, and it's hard to cover. Um, he's a guy that can can run comebacks. He can do short routes. He can run option routes. He can be a reliable chain mover rather than just a big play threat, and that will allow him to, to see more playing time. And I think that allows Notre Dame to potentially have maybe um, – a shorter bench where they're not necessarily feeling like they have to rotate guys in and out for specific roles where they can keep guys out there and have them do multiple different things where I, I, certainly you'd like to get different guys in there to keep them fresh, but um, you don't have to take um, Tobias Merriweather out of the game. If you get into the red zone, because there's not as much ground for him to cover. I think he, he feels confident that he can do those things. Chancey Stuckey spoke really highly of him. He said, I don't like doing comparisons. And then he, compared him to Randy Moss (laughs) and specifically to Randy Moss and sort of the way that he separates from guys when the ball is in the air. And he he feels like that is a very special trait um, that Tobias Merriweather has and uh, sounds uh, pretty appealing. If you put him in the same sentence with Randy Moss, I don't think Chancey Stuckey necessarily intended for him to have that sort of expectations, but even at one point he's like, we expect him to be, an extremely good wide receiver. So I think that that Notre Dame, the expectations internally for Tobias Merriweather are really high. And I'm sure that everyone that wanted to see Tobias Merriweather play last season might take that with a grain of salt. It's like, well, why didn't you play him more last year? Um, but the, the the thought is that um, he could be a, a real impact player for Notre Dame this season. He seems to have a better uh, grasp of the offense. Um, is confident in his game, um, and we'll see where where he's at with being on the same page with Sam Hartman and Tyler Buckner, but it sounds like he's in a pretty good position right now. 
So um, before we move on to cornerbacks, I'll remind you, you can make comments like Pat is about Randy Moss and uh, national championship aspirations. And you can also <laughs> uh, ask questions in the question portal uh, and we'll, it will work those in as we go through the different um, aspects of our chat with you tonight. So cornerbacks, we had Mike Mickens and a whole bunch of cornerbacks came up for interviews on, mm-hmm. um, on Tuesday. So um, but let, let's go maybe more into detail of Lorenzo Styles' experiment because, Tyler, you had a chance to interview him. We didn't realize he was going to be coming. Tyler right. was able to jump on that and uh, wrote a really good feature on that. So what were, what did you take away from your talk with Lorenzo? Yeah, that he, he was very interested in this. He feels like it should be a quick transition for him. He, he said, like, to Tuesday's practice, which was his first full practice, at cornerback, he said, sort of felt like riding a bike. Um, he feels like covering guys in man-to-man coverage. He is confident in his ability to do that. He has the skill set to be able to do that. Um, I'm sure there's some rust there, but he he likes the challenge of doing that. He he he's embraced it. He was a proponent of this move, and he comes from a defensive family. Is like we mentioned earlier, Sonny Styles, his, his younger brother, is a safety at Ohio State. His father, also Lorenzo, was a linebacker at Ohio State um, and in the NFL. Um, he played a lot of defense growing up. He was always a two-way player. Um, he said, listen, I, I chose to play wide receiver uh, in college because I wanted to catch touchdowns, but I feel like I can potentially score touchdowns for the defense now too. So um, he admitted, he's like, I don't I don't really know the defense. <laughs> like, I don't know. He, he's still learning all the, all the nuances to that, and so – I think what the position he will be put in in Saturday's blue gold game, where I think Marcus Freeman indicated that he probably would play both ways. We'll see how that plays out come Saturday. But I think when he's in on defense, he'll be given like very specific, probably basic assignments. Cause I don't know that they're expecting him to, to know all the different zone combinations that, that Notre Dame's defense could have. But again, in a game like the blue gold game, I don't know that Notre Dame's putting a lot of its complicated defensive schemes out there anyway. So uh, might not be that big of a deal, but to get him out there competitive, um, he 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 seems to really like the opportunity. Mike Mickens was pretty confident in terms of where Lorenzo Styles can go. Um, I think everyone's sort of being a little bit careful about okay, how long of, of a experiment will this be? But it seems like Lorenzo's sort of full speed ahead. I think he's even open to the idea. Hey, play me both ways. I don't care. Like I'll still play some wide receiver if you need me to. Um, he just wants to sort of have an impact on the game and he feels like he can potentially do that at cornerback. So as we look at the cornerback group and the depth of it, and we're, we're not counting Thomas Harper or the Nichols, we're not counting them as cornerbacks other than, uh, Clarence Lewis, who, who's played a lot of cornerback. Um, you only have two, two guys that are senior eligibility only cam hart is he actually would have another year after this year if he wanted his covid year same with clarence lewis cam hart's going to be in next year's draft uh clarence lewis could come back lorenzo would be in the junior class in terms of eligibility and then everybody else is sophomore or freshman eligibility and there's six of those guys there's barnes there's Jaden Mickey, uh, Ben Morrison, Chance Tucker, those guys are all sophomore eligibility. Uh, Some of them are juniors academically, but those are the sophomore eligibility. And then you have Christian Gray, who's not going to, unfortunately not going to play in the game Saturday because uh, he recently had uh, to have his knee scope, minor knee injury. And then Micah Bell is a track star who's going to be here uh, in June, Micah just ran. I w- I've been tracking the track times for some of the guys that are arriving in June. Micah just ran a 10-4-1, 100-meter uh, dash in a meet down in Texas, I believe, last weekend for uh, Kincaid High School and K- 
Kincaid School in Houston. And uh, so, I mean, you've got a lot of talent, a lot of depth at that position all of a sudden. Yeah, it's um, Mike Mike Mickens has has plenty of talent at his his disposal, Um, certainly proved what he can do in terms of coaching them up. Um, with with Benjamin Morris, Morrison last season, um, and I thought Notre Dame sort of got by with what it had last season, um, even if um, Cam Hart didn't play to maybe his potential um, as he dealt with the shoulder injury. Um, and I thought Tariq Bracey had a heck of a year last year. So I'm curious to see what these guys that are sort of chomping at the bit there to make more of an impact, what their roles can be. What does Cam Hart look like this season? Um, because if Cam Hart place to his potential he could be he could be the best cornerback on the roster I don't know that that's realistic with what we've seen from Benjamin Morrison but I think going into last season we certainly thought that was the case um and he was very confident when speaking to you about where he thinks he can be in the NFL draft next year um so I think that's it's a real like potential x factor it's kind of weird to sort of call him that because he has played so much throughout his career but I don't know that you can necessarily count on what he's going to be because of his history of health issues. But if he can get back to where he was at playing at two seasons ago, I think that would be a real positive for Notre Dame. So Cam is um, Cam's best friend is Kyle Hamilton. Who's the Baltimore Ravens rookie. Kyle was back in school this semester trying to work towards his degree. Cam and Kyle are roommates again. So I'm sure Cam is listening to Kyle and has those kind of uh, aspirations. Cam also lives in Baltimore, so he's around the Ravens a lot. He can, can root for him when he's back home. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a 6'3 kid who can run. He's got length. And if he's fully healthy and and teams can get beyond his injury history, you know, he's got a chance to, to do something in the draft. Cam feels like he's a first-round draft pick and and feels like people are sleeping on him, and he's wants to prove that this fall. He's he's happy for people to wait to, to stop doubting him once he shows it on the field, and, and so we'll see. But he has had three serious shoulder injuries, two to his left, one to his right. He is just getting over the latest labrum surgery to his left shoulder, and so he said he told me he was going to be a hundred percent in a couple weeks. So that obviously he's not going to be able to play in the blue gold game, but once they start doing workouts for the summer, he should be a hundred percent. Yeah, and I saw on the Notre Dame Instagram account after practice the other day when usually when we get to talk to a position group, they'll have uh, that position group featured on Instagram and they'll ask like fans to submit questions and someone asked who was the fastest cornerback and Cam Hart was insisting that he's beaten a lot of those guys in races. Now, obviously Micah Bell isn't here yet. Uh, Micah Bell would probably like a word about that um, when he gets here, but Cam Hart was saying that he's beaten those guys in races before. So I don't know if he's uh, stretching the truth there, but he, he, he does have that speed, even if uh, um, that might not be the first thing you think of when you think of Cam Hart. Cam was also a guy that came to Notre Dame, as a wide receiver, he was only a wide receiver for his freshman fall. And then they flipped him over to defense and he, you know, just point of interest is really excited about Lorenzo styles and his chance mm-hmm. to be, he felt like the, the biggest uh, adjustment was going to be the mental flip over to defense, not anything physical. He said that Lorenzo is a dog, which means he's a good athlete and and determined and all the other positive things for people that are in my age group. <laughs> so, All right, you want to talk a little bit about the offensive line? Yeah, let's go with the offensive line. We had uh, three of the offensive linemen, not any of the contenders for <laughs> offensive guard, but the three starters, the three established starters. Yeah, that was a very Harry Heastan-like move from Joe Rudolph, it seemed. It was. <laughs> he's, he's kept the continuity of Harry Heastan in just about every way, other than the decibel level is a little bit lower. He's <laughs> intense, but just not intense to the point that, uh, that you need to cover Marcus Freeman's kids' ears when they come to practice. Uh, but 
So there was Joe Alt, and you had Blake Fisher, the two tackles, and you had Zeke Carell. And then Joe Rudolph, I thought was really interesting. The new offensive line coach um, had a lot to say. So let's start with Joe Rudolph. What were some of the things that you learned about the offensive guard races at, at left and right guard? Yeah, I mean, he... <laughs> I was expecting maybe a shorter list of names. He was yeah. he was naming everyone, and I think it, it speaks to his at least what he's expressed that he he'd like to get the best five out there. Um, so he's not going to discount Tosh Baker, even though it, it seems like it would be a challenge to have a six foot eight guard. Um, but they're willing to sort of entertain that um, if he can play with the pad level that he needs to and the, the knee bend to to get underneath guys on the interior of the, the d- defensive line. Um, he, I think he even threw Emil Wags, w- Wagner's name out there, which that, that was, that was probably the most shocking to me. I was like, man, I don't, I don't know that I had seen that from Emil Wagner in, in practices, but I don't know that I've had a, an intense focus on Emil Wagner either. He just, just still looks pretty skinny in my opinion. Um, and probably has some, some growing to do still there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other guards, the one person that he didn't really talk about at all, and I think is probably related to Michael Carmody dealing with some inju- injuries, was that he didn't he didn't bring up Carmody's name. No one asked him about him, so it's not like he he was asked about him and then just didn't answer the question. It was just did, his name didn't come up when he was talking about Billy Shrouth and Rocco Spindler and Andrew Kristoffic and Pat Coogan. Um, he described Rocco Spindler as as having really turned it on towards the end of the spring here, um, and he he said he felt like. We spoke to them at the end of last week that going into Saturday's scrimmage and this week was sort of going to be a real, really telling about how this this guard situation um, was going to play out. I think he was looking forward to these being sort of very significant tests for those guys that are in those competitions. Um, if I were putting odds on things, I would still go with Andrew Kristoffic and Billy Strouth as the guys that are the favorites at, at the right guard and left guard spots. Um, I talked to Blake Fisher a little bit about Andrew Kristoffic and he talked about how he liked playing alongside him. Um, they seem to have a rapport there. Um, but Pat Coogan is, is making a case as someone that was started the spring as a, the number two center, but they're giving a chance to get into the guard mix, which then opened up some opportunities for Ashton Craig as the number two center behind Zeke Carell. Um, and, uh, I think I've discussed all in Billy Strouth. I think yeah, he was, he seemed like one of the one of the interesting talking points with Joe Rudolph was sort of all this blitzing that we've seen. And Zeke Carell made a comment that it seems like the defense is blitzing on every play. Um, and so there's been a lot thrown at the defense or the offensive line. Um, and Joe Rudolph didn't say he didn't like it, but I think he said, like, for some guys, it would be helpful to sort of be able to sort of ease them into things and teach them the fundamentals before you're teaching them the the fourth hardest thing that they would do or like yeah, the exception the exception to the, to the rules the exceptions to the rules. Um, So, and it seemed like Billy Strouth specifically would be one guy that maybe would have benefited to not have to do um, sort of be keeping his head above water and just sort of get more confidence within himself than to, because that's, that's the, the downside of all this blitzing that I, that I've had felt. And I was worried about sort of the toll that it would be taking on the offense of uh, if they're, if they're having such bad practices, how do they sort of get confidence in what they're doing? Um, and, and sort of get back on track. Um, and so um, I think in the end, Billy Strath will probably be better for it, but um, it maybe makes this part of the the growth process a little bit more frustrating and, and challenging, but um, could, could be rewarding in the end. One thing we should mention is Caleb Johnson, a tackle, um, entered the transfer portal today. That is not anything new. Right. It was announced at the very beginning of spring practice. He was no longer with the team, so it was just a matter of time before he went through the formality of getting into the portal, which opened on April 15th. And then did you want to mention anything about your Blake Fisher interview? Yeah, I just talked a little bit to him about a number of things. What He he did trim down a little bit from last season. He felt like he's feels a little bit more mobile, agile, and I think that's something that um, – Joe Rudolph wants to take advantage of in terms of getting his offensive tackles out on the edge and and stretching the field horizontally a little bit in order to create some some more running lanes vertically as well. 
Um, so I think that that that's an interesting wrinkle. He sort of talked about the transition and sort of how Joe Rudolph may be teaching things in different ways than Harry Heastan, but the ideas and the concepts are sort of the same and they're all to get to the same level. Um, but Blake Fisher seems really confident. He feels like he can be even more dominant, even though he's lost some weight, he feels like he's gotten stronger. Um, he's, he sort of cut out some of the, the bad eating that he, that he had as part of his weekly diet and sort of, um, contain that to, to, to letting himself loose a little bit on the weekends in terms of what he can eat. Um, but, but trying to keep things clean during the week and, um, getting him in a good spot to be able to stay where he's at. He said, he said right now it feels like it's, it might be harder for him to put on weight than to lose weight. Um, just because of, um, how good of a spot he feels like he's put himself in and sort of, and sort of in terms of eating healthy and, and obviously the amount of work he's putting into to, to on the field to get better. What, 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 uh, you spoke to Joe Alt. What were, what were right. your biggest takeaways from that conversation? Well, I, I wondered, you know, I mean, obviously he's, to me, it's obvious that he's the best player on the team this year and wondered how does the best player, how does the guy that's all American and maybe a top, a first round draft choice if he wants to become a junior um, in the draft next year. How does that guy get better? What's his process and so forth? It's pretty interesting. There's a lot that's changed around Joe and Joe hasn't changed. He's still the inside the three-star guy that was kind of overlooked that works his butt off. Not, not with a chip on his shoulder necessarily either, just that's kind of his process of who he is, mm-hmm. you know, and now he's a six foot eight, 320 pound left tackle that is amazing. Uh, but again, he talks about, you know, all the film work that extra film work he does. Um, he talks about trying to take now the younger guys along with him. He's um, very into getting food related NIL deals for the offensive line more so than worrying about his own individual stuff. So they've get, he was listing off the different places, Mimos Pizza and uh, Mission Barbecue, and they're working on one with Pertillo's, which makes me jealous. There should be one with a Notre Dame media and Pertillo's. Um, he said, well, we need to feed these guys. And so um, just an interesting guy in terms of how he goes about his business and how he gets better. I, I think one thing that I'll mention is, you know, it's, it's been, um, gosh, since the nineties, um, I think it's 97, I've got it somewhere, but I don't have it handy when the NFL opened their door to underclassmen. And there have been a bunch of Notre Dame true juniors that have gone through. None of them have been offensive linemen. Now there's been people giving up fifth years like Quentin Nelson and Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, even a guy like Zach Martin played five years, uh, Ronnie right. Stanley gave up his fifth year. Mike McGlinchey didn't. So nobody's gone out after three years and you're going to have two guys, especially Joe Alt, very tempted at the end of this year. But I think Notre Dame's got some good tackles coming up behind them. You mentioned, uh, Emil Wagner, who was, you know, considered getting in the guard and then uh, Tosh Baker. So, and, and we think, you know, some of even the younger ones like uh, Charles Jagaza um, eventually is going to be, you know, somebody that follows that lineage of all the high picks of the left tackles. Uh, so, yeah, really interesting offensive line conversation. I think they'll be pretty good this year. Uh, the sooner that they kind of figure out who the starting guards are, then they can work a little bit more on chemistry. Yeah, even though Joe Rudolph was giving a lot of names about the guards, he did seem to feel like he would like to have a pretty good idea of who what it will look like going into the fall in the next couple of weeks here. So certainly he's not going to rule out any anyone being able to make a push into the into camp. But uh, I think I think he'll have at least a good idea in his head of of that pecking order that it, that he'll he'll prefer or lean toward um, as as they get ready throughout the summer. We have a couple questions here I wanted to get in before we wrap up with a little bit of recruiting talk. First one is from WV Renovation. Has there been any chatter about Holden Stays this spring? Plenty of it. Um, we talked to 
Jared Parker earlier about the tight ends and we talked to the tight ends earlier and that's why maybe we haven't brought it up on the show as much lately, but he's got a lot of opportunities Mm -hmm. because of, you know, there being not everybody here and operational Uh, Flanagan comes in in June, the recruit, you have Eli Reardon and Kevin Bauman with twin ACL tears, and they are going to be back this summer. So there's been a lot of reps for Holden Stays and Mitch Evans. And I think um, the thing that's really been impressive about Holden is he's put on weight and he's still really fast. You know, he was at 226 last year. He He's up into the 240s now, moving well, really working on becoming an all-round tight end. His blocking has improved a lot. So, yeah, I, I mean, Notre Dame is still tight end you, even though maybe the best one ever to play there is on his way to the NFL. There's a lot of good talent be, behind him. Yeah, the blocking part of it was the probably the biggest thing that Holden says needed. I think it was revealing that Eli Reardon was sort of tapped as that extra tight end when they were both freshmen last year until he was until he got hurt. Um uh, so that Eli proved to be a little bit of a better blocker than, than Holden did. Um, so we needed to sort of get a better handle on that. But he, he's an impressive-looking kid. I, I think the ceiling is really high for him. I mean, the combination of him and Eli Reardon in that same class are, is pretty tantalizing if those guys can get things together, and obviously if Eli can manage to stay healthy. Um, one more question from John Murray. Will Barnes, Ryan Barnes end up as a corner or end up as a safety? If I were Ryan Barnes, I would want to be a safety mm-hmm. simply because the path to playing time, especially after this season, is the lane is clear. Right. Um, now, is he good enough to be a safety? Is he better off being a corner? I think, again, the Lorenzo Styles piece, if Lorenzo Styles is permanently over there, and I think that's the way it's going to go. Barnes needs to go to safety. He has taken some safety reps, unlike Clarence Lewis. He has mm-hmm. done that. So if he can show some potential there, that's his best chance to get on the field. I can remember when Xavier Watts was kind of in the same position with wide receiver safety, and I thought, boy, he ought to take that safety opportunity and run with it. And now he's – I think he's Notre Dame's best safety, and I think he's got a future beyond Notre Dame. Yeah, I think I think that's that's true. Xavier Watts, a big season expected for him upcoming. Um I would I would lean towards safety for Ryan Barnes too. I don't I don't know that there's a real convincing argument that he should stay at corner. Um, although he has made some plays. They've been asking him to do some nickelback. Um, they like his length at the cornerback position, um, which certainly should lend itself to being able to help him out at safety as well. So um that would be my guess that he ends up at safety, but um, Notre Dame's been a, at least a, a little resistant to sort of make the full move of that, especially when there's been opportunities. It's not like they, he needed, like they would have a hard time to find him safety reps this spring. Um, so that's been a little bit confusing that he hasn't sort of maybe dove into that more so far. But um, I, I think that's probably the best path for him moving forward. Do do we have one more question? Or are we going on to? Oh recruit? yeah, uh, WV renovation actually just threw in another one. Was the Tyler Buckner open practice an anomaly, or have you heard that he has been that good all spring? What we've heard is that he's been pretty good all spring and getting better. I, I think that what what the coaches hoped was that Sam Hartman would be a very good thing for Tyler Buckner the competition and Sam would bring the best out in him. And it has those guys have become friends. They've helped each other get better. Um, You know, and just what I've seen of Tyler, I think this is the best version of Tyler I've seen again, small sample size, but uh, yes, I think Tyler Buckner has improved quite a bit to the point. I think if you ask most of the people on our beat, they would say Hartman will start in 23 and and now Buckner is really the favorite to be the starter in 24, whereas before I think he was one of a bunch of different options. Right. Yeah, that that, that seems to be in line with his trajectory right now. 
Um, and is he patient enough for that? We will see. But I think the, he sees himself improving there. I think he probably appreciates the way this competition has been handled. I mean, he's been given opportunities this spring where I think it would be very, it would have been a very easy for him to sort of feel like the, the outcast and that Sam Hartman was brought in here to replace him and that he wasn't going to have a chance to sort of prove himself this spring. And that doesn't seem to be the case. He's been given opportunities and it seems like he's, he's made the most of them. I, I will just add the caveat. Yes, he looked good and probably as good as we've seen him, but I, he wasn't lighting up the defense by any means. Right. The offense was still struggling overall. He was making some plays. Um, I but think his his I fundamentals think, were better. I thought. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I he and he looked pretty good, but it wasn't like they were. He was throwing bombs down the field, and and the, all of a sudden it, he looked like Joe Montana out there. Um, so I, I just want to keep some perspective on on how well Tyler Buckner was. Playing. Nor did he look like Nate Montana. <laughs> he did not look like Nate Montana either. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, roll into recruiting. The the list is is staggering. So you, we've got um, there's nine players in the 2024 class, right? My math is right on that. Uh, committed players, you mean? Yes. Yeah, and and a bunch of them will be at the game, including CJ Carr to help recruit Cam Williams. Yeah, most most of them will be here. Yep. And then you've got 2024 targets and a lot of the top 2025 guys. So Tyler. What what should people know about the recruiting weekend that won't take twenty five minutes to say? <laughs> yeah, I got some. I got some quick bullet points here. Yeah, just we we're continuing to confirm names, and so I think as we speak, we've we've hit like the twenty mark in terms of guys that have Notre Dame offers that aren't committed. So what we what we consider targets um, in the 2024, 2025 classes are expected to be at Notre Dame um, on Saturday, um, and that spans sort of all the different position groups like the one position group there's not a lot of um big names at his quarterback obviously other than cj carr who will be here is the 2024 commit the 2025 quarterbacks were in um earlier this spring but aren't uh there aren't ex- they aren't expected to be coming in this weekend for the blue gold game um i think there's a real chance that notre dame should have and the blue gold game itself and the recruiting weekend is important, but it's also sort of the culmination of this spring recruiting period. So I think like by the, by the end of this weekend, Notre Dame should have a really clear, clear picture of where it stands at safety with its top targets at wide receiver with its top targets with offensive tackle at its top targets. There's a lot of different position groups where Notre Dame's gotten a lot of those guys on campus throughout the spring and will continue to get them on the campus this weekend. Um, and so to have a, good understanding of like, okay, where do we, who do we value the most? Who do we like the most of these guys? Because I think some of that is still open for interpretation as they get to see these guys in person on campus and stuff like that. And then also, okay, who, which of these guys are favoring us the most and sort of figure out, okay, what, what, where do we go from here? Uh, I think Notre Dame really could use some momentum following this weekend in terms of starting to pick up some of these commitments where Notre Dame is, is getting visits from guys that it feels like it's in good positions with, but hasn't really necessarily turned that into commitments um, this spring. Um, so I think there's an opportunity for that to start happening following the blue gold game. Now I don't, I'm not predicting that's going to like happen on Saturday specifically, but I would imagine a number of these guys that are visiting could end up in Notre Dame's class or even some of the guys that have been on campus somewhat recently. And some of these guys have been on campus recently and are getting back for the blue gold game. So that's a really good sign. So, um, and then, I think there's a chance that maybe Notre Dame's first 2025 commitment could be on campus. Maybe it's one of the legacy recruits, whether it's Jerome Bettis Jr. or James Flanagan, um, Bettis being a a wide receiver and Flanagan being a tight end. Um, So there's going to be a lot of talent from a lot of different classes um, on campus this weekend. Um, There's been guys for weeks now, basically since after Notre Dame spring break um, and, and, and before and after that Easter break, um, where they really started to hit those weekend visits hard. Um, Jason Robertson, a 2024 wide receiver that Notre Dame likes a lot. A former USC commit is wrapping up a multiple-day visit today. Um, 2025 tight end Nate Roberts is a guy that was uh, potentially a strong candidate to be uh, an early commitment for Notre Dame. Styles Prescott is one of those guys that I mentioned that um, was here last weekend, and he's getting back on campus again this weekend. He's a 2024 offensive tackle um, out of the Indianapolis era area so a lot of names to watch 
We will be keeping in touch with them, keeping you updated with them um, with updates on the entire lounge throughout the weekend um, and into early next week. Cause there's so many guys. So we can't, it's hard to talk to them all in, in, with only so little time. And, and also this weekend, uh, Charleston and I will be heading down to Cincinnati for the rivals camp series that is taking place in Cincinnati and hopefully get a chance to, to see a number of Notre Dame targets in action um, and, and interview them as well. Live chat tomorrow at noon at InsideNDSports.com. Podcast on Friday. Not sure the time yet, but look for that. And tons of stories, tons of videos between now and the blue gold game and afterwards. Yeah, we have so much content. I think some of the stuff we're getting this week, we're saving to next week. There's so, so much stuff we have. So there will be lots of coverage. Um, you'll want to not just be subscribed to us on YouTube, but also subscribe to us on InsideNDSports.com. Uh, give us a chance. Um, the subscription really helps us out um, and uh, proves that we are giving you the coverage that you're looking for. Um, so we anticipate having lots of different stories, lots of news, lots of insight to, to things going on within the program and on the recruiting trail as well. So it may be the end of spring, but it's certainly not the end of a busy time for us. Um, we'll continue to have plenty of things to discuss. Um, I, I think we'll probably try to do this again next week, Eric. What, what do you think? I'll vote yes. All right. With the um, NFL think, draft and the camp and wrapping up the blue gold game. Yeah, we can put a bow on spring football. So I think there's still plenty of stuff to talk about. We don't know that we'll be able to stay weekly throughout the um, late spring and early summer, um, but we'll try to get to in front of you guys as often as we can and maybe sort of like – Because we want to sleep at one point. <laughs> football may never sleep, but but we do sleep sometimes. Um, not in great – quantities though unfortunately <laughs> um but that's all we have for this week um we appreciate you tuning in make sure you're subscribed like the video turn on your notifications and we will see you next time